I look for other capabilities like AI, like process engineering that are core to what we do in GBS to be deployed in similar ways. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world-class shared service organizations. My name is Sashi Narahari, founder and CEO of iRadius, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm honored to host Tracy Schaefer, a shared services leader with 20 years of experience across companies like PNG and Conagra. In her 20 years of experience in Conagra, she switched through various leadership roles. Tracy is currently the Vice President of Global Business Services at Conagra. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sashi. Really happy to be here today. I guess, Tracy, we can get started with your background a bit. Tell us a little bit about your background, your career journey. Yeah, I'd love to. So as you mentioned in the intro, I have worked my entire career in CPG, um, starting at Procter & Gamble and now at at ConAgra. I have a, a real strong passion for CPG. I get a lot of inspiration from seeing those products on the store shelves and in the homes of family members and forcing my friends to use those products is a big driver for me. Uh, about 15 of my years here at ConAgra have been spent in finance and accounting. And for the last six years, I have been leading global business services team. So leading GBS has brought me a different perspective and a more engagement in leading larger groups of people, which has been fun for me, as well as growing new sets of capabilities in my leadership style. On a personal basis, I am born and bred Nebraskan, which is where I live today. I currently reside here with my husband. Uh, he is a middle school principal, and I have we have three teenage children amongst us as well. Awesome. I would say I'm waiting to go to Omaha. I'm a big fan of uh, Warren Buffett. And yes, we are as well. <laughs> principles around money management is you can see what's happening in the public markets now, and long term he'll always be right. So he is a, a very smart man who has also done a lot for our Omaha community too. Awesome, Tracy. So now I'm going to ask you about some of the most debated dead or alive arguments in the GBS space. So we'll start with the first one. We want you to be bold and blunt. So this is all about your viewpoint. You have a lot of experience. So in 10 years, do you think BPOs for outsourcing will be dead or alive? So I guess in a bold manner, I will say alive, (laughs) but I will caveat that with saying, I think what we've learned over the last two years is that it's really hard to predict what the next 10 will look like. And that will probably be a common theme through a lot of this conversation. But what it's also taught us is that the most important skill set we can have is agility. I do think BPOs will continue to exist with the assumption that they continue to transform and reinvent themselves and modernize. If they don't and the model stays the same, I do think BPOs may be dead because we will find something more modern to replace it. No, perfect answer. So in essence, what you're saying is dead if they continue with their current business model, but we expect all companies to evolve and morph. So they'll evolve and then be alive. Awesome. We'll go to number two. In 10 years, will large centralized service centers be dead or alive? Especially given the COVID effect of work from anywhere. You mentioned about you being in Omaha, you might have workforce. What do you think? Is the current business model of large service centers be alive a decade from now? 
I would go with a really strong dead on this one. And I don't even think we need 10 years to get there. I even question if the model isn't already slowly approaching its death already. There are still a lot of service centers who haven't returned from COVID today. And we're approaching, we're almost surpassing two years now in terms of working in this this environment. I think the pre-COVID environment of large, filled-to-the-brim service centers working five days a week are something that may never, likely never will come back. I do think what has been forced is a new way of thinking in terms of what is the work environment. Are we geography agnostic now? Are we more flexible in terms of getting the best out of our employees by letting them lead how they work best? And how are we as employers agile in that thought process in making sure that we're not thinking about where you have to work, but we're thinking more around what's the best way for our people to work? I will be clear. I don't think that always only means, you know, work from home or remote work. I think there is a balance. I think in a service center environment, there still is importance around collaboration and teamwork and even career building that happens when we're together. (laughs) So Tracy, my next dead or alive question is on the RPA technology, robotic process automation, specifically around, as you know, RPA currently in the current form is an as-is screen flow automation, right? You have users who click on multiple screens and it's very manual. So you record it and you replay it. Uh, There have been some challenges with this technology in terms of the level of automation and so forth. So I'm just curious, based on your own experience, do you think the RPA in the current form will be dead or alive in a decade from now? Yeah, I think the word, and I think this is where you were driving to, the word current form gets me the most because I do think it's going to have to progress for it to survive. In its current form, there are successes, but there are still a lot of challenges as well. I think it will continue to mature. I think it will continue to be more democratized. And that's something that we're seeing at ConAgra as well. RPA and automation is becoming more of an everyday expectation. And we see our workforce not just looking at automation as an opportunity, but looking at manual work processes as a total and complete annoyance to their day. Right. So it is becoming uh, more democratized as we speak. There are still a couple things that we have to figure out as it relates to RPA. I know ourselves internally is one, making sure you've got the right governance structure around it and the right support to keep it going. And then as well, a constant view on ROI. And in its current format, is it still continue to, to bring value back to the organization? And those are two things we continue to focus on. Bet. The next question is actually on a, sim- on a different technology. It's AI. I know there's a lot of, sometimes RPA gets equated to AI, but AI is very different. It's more of a predictive. But if you think about AI, there is a lot of high big companies like Google's and others are betting big. But if you look at specifically in GBS, the adoption is low. So there is this hype, but the reality delta. What do you think 10 years from now about AI as a technology, specifically in GBS? Yeah, I would also say alive and matured here as well. I agree with you on the difficulty in adoption in GBS organizations. I think we're going to have to get better at showcasing its true worth and solid hard ROI. One of the experiences we've had is AI can't just be in an idea 
generator, I think we have to learn where there's actual practical application that we can apply the output as well. And some of it may be more the human behavior towards AI than the technology itself. But I still find we internally spend a lot of times, oftentimes debating the algorithm to the 10th decimal versus truly understand how we're going to use the output um, once we do have it and once we do have alignment. And maybe a better way to say that is how, how are we going to train humans to believe it as well, right? I don't believe AI is going to replace us all. I don't think that will happen because I do think it's flawed and, and not perfect. But I do think we're always going to need humans to help bring us along. AI will have a role, but so will we. <laughs> Absolutely. Spot on, Tracy. So I think the most common misconception we see as well is humans versus machines. We call it like as if it's going to replace. And I think when we think about AI in the corporate world, we think it's something magical, voodoo mad that will do everything for me. So we have very high expectations for AI. But I think another way to think about uh, humans and machines coexisting is how we do Amazon shopping, right? There's yeah. a lot of AI happening. There is a recommendation engine. There is a review engine. It is kind of accelerating the speed and accuracy of the decisioning. But ultimately, or Netflix, right? You're not going to let Netflix play the movie that is decided for you, but you don't mind it making a recommendation. So I think that that practicalism of AI as an assistant to you to be more effective is the That's change right. which is the most important for it to be successful. And then you build that trust over time. That's correct. All right. The fifth dead or alive question is India as a service center location. And we see this too, given high radius center, we have a big presence in India. There is a, the, the inflation rates in India have been like 8% plus over the last decade, actually. I know globally right now we have inflation. And then there is always this consistent wage increases. So do you think in a decade from now, India is a top choice for service center? Not necessarily like, will it be prevalent? But right now it's a pretty big top two locations, if you will. Will it be the case or it will change? You know, I think there is a chance this could change. I think back more towards geography agnostic than I do necessarily against India, you know, something against India itself. It's been over two years since I've been, you know, back to India. And I used to have a belief that we needed to be there more frequently. And remote work has taught us you have ability to connect with people versus being there in person. Our, in, our partners in India have not been back into the office yet which I think makes you rethink everything. I think if we reflect on why India is a top choice today, it relates to value and value not being um, just cost, right? But what you receive for that cost as well. So it is the combination. I think given geography in a post-pandemic world is a little bit more agnostic, as long as India continues to provide that value to our organizations, they will continue on and be alive. I think if that pendulum starts to swing and the cost value proposition is no longer there, then I think we have the ability and we know with how remote work operates as well, that there could be significant changes in terms of the where work is done. Got it. And I think it's like the good old free markets, right? We are in a free market economy, so exactly right. adjust for itself and it's yep. always going to be value-based. Yep. All right. The last one. Uh, Tracy is more of an inconvenient question because we're all part of the shared services GBS world, which is, do you think the GBS or the shared services as a concept or an organization itself will be dead or alive? Yes. 
I do not think it would be a favorable response to say dead. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say very, very much alive. I do think it will look different. And I do think GBS models will be built more around capabilities versus just more of the more traditional services that were built around today. When I look at my own GBS organization within ConAgra, there is a set of services we provide. Accounts payable, accounts receivable, customer order management, our consumer contact center, that's all embedded within within GBS. Over the next 10 years, those services are going to continue to be executed with efficiency and we'll find ways to do them more effectively as well. But even bigger, I think, is the utilization of the capabilities that we're building to make those services more efficient and more effective. So I believe going forward, our biggest return from a GBS perspective is going to be more around the capabilities we built and how those capabilities are going to start supporting in even bigger ways our enterprise in totality. One example I'll share on that is our automation COE that we've built within ConAgra. So we built an automation COE to support automating accounts receivable, which has now turned into an enterprise function where we're able to deploy automation resources out to our supply chain organization, to our sales organization, to help them automate within the functions themselves. So it's almost as though automation has become a service and a capability that's deployed out of our GDS organization today. I look for other capabilities like AI, like process engineering that are core to what we do in GBS to be deployed in similar ways. Awesome. All right. Closing note, what's your advice to other GBS leaders like you? What do you think is most important for them to keep their eyes on for success? Yeah, I think the easy answer here is probably agility and constant transformation. As GBS organizations, we always have to be on the forefront of what's coming, and we need to lead that for our organizations in totality. So I think that one is probably probably pretty obvious and, in, and maybe not so insightful. <laughs> but what's equally as important is the only way that we transform is making sure we have the people that can do it and that can lead us through these, this time of change. And it is really important to make sure you don't set a robust strategy without the team in place that can actually execute on it. And there are still really great performers out there embedded within all of our organizations who still are change resistors. And how do we upskill and reskill and make sure we've got the teams in place that can execute on all of our transformation agendas I think about people on a daily basis. I think about my team, the skill sets we have, what do we need to build, what do we need to buy. If that's not a daily thought for GBS leaders, it needs to become one because without the right people in place, it's really hard to execute on that strategy. So it is important to not just build those skill sets, but to build the whole culture around how do we inspire people to want more and to drive more transformation and to to fall in love with the problems that get put across their desks. Awesome. At High Radius, Tracy, we say to all of our High Radians, change is the only constant. That's right. (laughs) Yes. If you're not changing, something's not going on. (laughs) You bet. 
Tracy, this has been a very insightful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time and being a guest on our podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was great talking with you, Sashi. You take care. Thank you. That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.